0: You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello, and welcome to Root Lock Radio a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name's Weston, I live in New York City, and I am your host. In episode 3, we began an in-depth exploration of the cards in the Major Arcana, and looked closely at the first leg of what we call the Fool's Journey. In today's episode, we'll continue this with the second leg, but before we do that, we're going to look at a way that conflict is resolved in the tarot, and see how this played out in those cards of the first leg of the Fool's journey, where we found the individual battling with society to establish a sense of independence and individual agency over his life. Then we'll move on to the second leg of the fool's journey, where we see the same individual taking on the forces of the universe, which leads to a similar kind of resolution in which integration is more important than winning. And again, because there's so much in-depth information, I'm typing up some show notes and posting them on the Root Lock Tarot website. You can find those at rootlocktarot.com podcast. After that, we'll introduce a tarot spread that helps with conflict resolution. So anytime you're having trouble with another person, this could be a helpful spread. I'd also like to point out that I've been posting on the Root Lock Tarot Instagram again. For a while I'd been doing card of the day postings, but that got a little bit difficult to keep up with. But now I've set the intention to post a card for each full moon, new moon, the beginning of the month, the beginning of the season, and stuff like that. So please follow me, my handle is Tarot on Instagram. That said, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Root Lock Radio. In episode 3, we explored the cards in the first leg of the Fool's Journey, starting with the Magician and ending with the Chariot. And during this leg of the journey, we saw a theme of development as the individual struggles to establish their identity as a person. And the thing that this individual seems to be struggling against is society, as over the course of this journey, society tries in various ways to impose its ideas of how the individual should think and act on the individual, and the individual responds by trying to establish a unique identity and a sense of agency over his life. But in the final card, the chariot, we have sort of a resolution of this struggle, or battle between the individual and society. And rather than one side winning, we have more of a blending or integration of the two sides. So what differentiates the chariot from the lovers is that the expression of individuality that we see in the chariot card is societally supported, whereas the lovers card represents more of a rebellion against society. And this is a style of conflict resolution that comes up again and again in the tarot. Thinking back to episode two, when we talked about the balance between masculine and feminine energies in the major arcana, the resolution of this struggle between masculine and feminine that we see in the world card is actually just a balancing and blending of the two, which is the same thing we see in that chariot card. We see the individual reaching a point where they can have independence and agency over their lives. But this is supported by society rather than a rebellion against society. As we move into the second leg of the journey, which represents the phase of adulthood, we'll also see a struggle between this individual and something outside of himself. The theme in this second leg of the journey is of refinement. So while in the first leg of the journey, the fool is developing as a person and establishing who they are, in the second leg, the fool is trying to refine his life to be exactly what he wants it to be. And this is the work of adulthood. And the battle we see in the second leg of the journey is over control of one's life. So instead of battling with society, the fool is now sort of battling with greater forces in the universe that sometimes allow us to get what we want and sometimes don't. So let's take a look at those individual cards of the second leg of the fool's journey. the second leg of the Fool's journey, we find the Fool feeling confident and ready to express his individual agency over his life, and that society is supporting this. So in card 8, Strength, which begins the second leg of the journey, we see sort of a continuation of this confidence. The number eight is a number of rhythm, or involution and evolution, or vibration. And when you look at the number eight, it looks a lot like an infinity sign, right? With an infinity sign, we can imagine the energy going up and down and around and around forever. So we have sort of this endless rhythm, which suggests that this card is very energized. When we look at the card, the first thing we really notice is there's a lion, right? And lions tend to represent A fire energy. And you can think of the lion as representative of Freud's idea of the id, sort of the impulse or the desire, something very fiery that's within us. But the lion's just not roaring uncontrollably. We see this very empress esque woman holding the lion's head, taming it. So we have this sort of grounding earth energy. This woman looks a lot like the empress, which is very earthy, taming this lion. And if we look at the background, we also see sort of a fire earth balance. So there's sort of this balance between the, the passion energy and the grounding, earthy energy. And in The Fool's Journey, card 8 represents sort of a coming out moment. The Fool now acknowledges something deep inside of himself that he wants to let out, and that's that lion. So it could be coming out with a sexual orientation or a gender identity that people haven't expected of you. But it could also be some other form of passion, acknowledging what you want to do with your life, saying, hey, I'm a dancer, I'm an artist, or I want to be an accountant, whatever stands deep inside of you that you want to let out that people maybe wouldn't expect or know about if you didn't tell them. So when you pull card eight strength in a reading, think of it as sort of a coming out moment, some sort of healthy release or acknowledgement of something inside yourself. You're no longer holding it down or letting it out in unhealthy or secretive ways. You're acknowledging it and figuring out how you're gonna work with it in the world. And this sets the tone for this second leg of the fool's journey. When we acknowledge our passion, we sort of set a plan to figure out how we're going to achieve what that passion drives us to do. And throughout this leg of the journey, we push towards that, but we'll also see that things begin to stand in our way. And we realize that we don't have total control over pursuing our passion. As we move into card nine, the hermit, we have a sort of turning inward. The number nine is the number of completion or attainment or fulfillment, but not in a way that you just close the book and put it aside. It's Sort of like this completion then elevates us to the next stage. And when you look at the number nine written out, you can kind of see this. We have a complete circle, but then there's a tail off of it. So it's like we've completed the circle. We've closed the circle. We've come to the end of whatever that circle represents. And then a tail dashes off. Off of us representing sort of a new initiative, a new beginning. On the card we see the figure of the hermit. He's in a gray robe, he's got a white beard, and these are both symbols of wisdom. And this is a very airy card, having to do with wisdom and knowledge. We see the color gray, which is a very airy color. The landscape is very mountainous and arid looking. And also the, the hermit is looking down. And if you'll remember when we talked about air, the air energy is elevated it's often represents sort of a going up above the situation and looking down on it in a detached way and that's what the hermit is doing here from the top of his mountain we also see a little bit of fire energy in this card he's holding a staff which reminds us of the magician's wand he's holding a lantern with fire burning in it so we have this passionate fire energy in a container where we can look at it closely and keep it under control. So in The Fool's Journey, this is sort of a moment of isolation, of stepping away from society or turning into yourself to develop or knowledge or spirituality. And this is a suitable step after the Strength card because once we've acknowledged this passion that we have, we want to turn inward and explore further, or we want to develop knowledge that will help us to attain this passion. So this could be, in The Fool's Journey, a time where we Turn to studying or turn to meditation or sort of try to develop ourselves in a more refined way. We're trying to control the development of our passion. So when you pull this card in a reading, it represents a turning inward moment, a time of productive isolation and self-development, or some sort of solitary journey. Um, It can also represent studying or studiousness. The Hermit overall is sort of a vision quest time. Whatever that means for you. It could be going off into the woods on your own or it could be turning to meditation or studying and really refining your knowledge and your spirituality. Card 10 is the Wheel of Fortune. And with this card, we're both entering into the double-digit numbers, and we're also entering the second half of the Fool's Journey. So we're halfway between the first card, which is the Fool, and the last card, which is the World. So this card represents a turning point, and you can divide the Fool's Journey into three legs, but another way to divide it is before and after the Wheel of Fortune. Now with the number 10, we're seeing a blending of the number one and the number zero. So if we remember the number one is having to do with the individual and the number zero is having to do with God or the universe, what's happening here is sort of a clashing or confrontation between the individual and God or the universe. Now looking at this card, it looks pretty different from any of the cards we've seen before or any of the cards in the deck at all. There's a lot of different symbols on the card and there aren't any human figures which we're kind of used to seeing at this point. Now I'm not going to cover all of the symbology in the card because that's a lot to go into and so once again I'll refer you to Rachel Pollock's book 78 Degrees of Wisdom if you're interested in learning about the symbology in more detail. But I'll give you a quick overview just to satisfy you for now. The four animals and figures that we see in the four corners of the card represent the four fixed signs of the zodiac. So this is the Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, and Taurus. Uh, Scorpio here is represented by its more elevated form, which is the eagle. And each of these signs is associated with one of the elements, fire, water, air, and earth. So we're also seeing a representation of the four suits of the minor arcana in this card. Now in the center of the card we see a wheel, um, and we see the letter. T-A-R-O. And if we consider that T to be both the beginning and the end of the word tarot, we're seeing sort of the word tarot in perpetual rotation on that wheel. And there's also some Hebrew letters and some other symbols in there, but we're not going to cover that right now. Around that wheel, we see three different figures. One is the snake, which is going down the left side of the wheel. In Egyptian mythology, the snake is the god of death. After the snake sort of nestled across the bottom and upward slope of the right side of the wheel, we see this red jackal-headed man. And in the same mythology, this is the guide to dead souls, the guide that takes souls into the underworld. And then sitting atop the wheel, we have a sphinx. And the sphinx is the god of resurrection. So what we're seeing here is sort of this perpetual rotation of death and rebirth. And this is really what the wheel of fortune represents, is this constant death and rebirth cycle that happens in the universe. So what this says to us in the journey is that we're reaching a point where we're sort of carried by fate. No matter how much we want to control our lives and our direction, there are a lot of factors outside of our control that are playing into it and in the end though we have some control over where we go in the journey we're also at the mercy of fate or destiny. So going back to this example of someone who decides they want to be a dancer in the Strength card, perhaps this person is now auditioning for dance shows and constantly being rejected. Their particular dream that they had and that they were so certain of is now not being allowed to be realized by the universe. So the Wheel of Fortune is kind of telling us that that we all have ups and downs, and that we're all working in a perpetual cycle, and the only thing that we can really rely on is that the the wheel will keep turning. We're not gonna stay in one place forever. And this is an important lesson because if we feel like we're stuck, that can be very discouraging. But if bad things are happening to us and we know that time will keep turning and the Wheel of Fortune will keep turning, then eventually we will find ourselves in a better place. And this realization that the universe will carry us through both the good and hard times and that we sort of need to just let it do that is very important. And it's one of the biggest understandings that we're gonna have throughout the Fool's Journey, this lesson of acceptance of the things that we cannot control. So when the Wheel of Fortune comes up in a tarot reading, it's asking us to take a look at the machinations of the universe or fate. Relinquish control and look at the big picture and understand that though things may be hard right now or things may be really good right now, everything is fleeting and changeable. And over time, our situation will change. And understanding that both helps us appreciate the good times and get through. bad times. Now moving forward, I'm going to drop the numerology for now. The reason for this is because understanding the numbers 1 through 10 and the numerology behind those numbers is crucial to understanding the tarot in a pretty basic way because the numbers 1 through 10 also come up in the four suits of the minor arcana. But the numbers 11 through 21 are only present in the major arcana, and as we get into double-digit numbers, things get a little more complicated. So perhaps I'll revisit this in a later episode, but for now we're just going to continue with the Fool's Journey without the numerology aspect. So the next card is card number 11 which is Justice. And on this card, we see the figure of Lady Justice, which is a symbol of judicial systems. Lady Justice is typically depicted as having a sword and a scale and being blindfolded. Now, the the figure of Lady Justice on this card doesn't have a blindfold on, probably because we want Justice to see clearly. Now, we also see an integration on this card for the first time of the symbology of the Magician card and the symbology of the High Priestess card. Remember, our ultimate goal in the Major Arcana is to blend those two energies, the masculine and feminine, represented in those two cards. So, after having this big realization in the Wheel of Fortune card, we sort of have this watershed moment of beginning to combine these two things in a real way. And we can see this in the imagery of the card. And we have the sword pointing up to the sky and the hand holding the scales pointing down to the ground, which echoes the way that the magician is holding the wand up to the sky and then his finger to the ground. This figure is also wearing a red robe, much like the magician and we have a yellow background but then like the high priestess Lady Justice is seated and sitting between two columns and there's a curtain hung between the two columns. So we're beginning to see a blending of these two energies um, which is an integration of the fire and water energy We're also seeing an introduction of a little bit of an air energy, which is depicting sort of a a wisdom around all of this. So we have the stone columns which is which is similar to what we see in the Emperor card which is very airy. Um, and the figure is seated between these columns much like the Emperor. So we're seeing this blending of fire, water, energy with an air hanging over it. So what's happening for this card is that the experiences of the first half of the journey, right? Because we're moving into the second half. We're learning this lesson of acceptance and balance in the sense that justice comes through no matter what. As we realize in the wheel of fortune that sometimes things don't go as planned in the end justice will prevail in the the course of the fool's journey this is the moment of truth this is the moment where things haven't gone as planned you haven't gotten those dance shows that you auditioned for but something even better comes along and it all makes sense Because you didn't get the shows that you wanted initially, you ended up getting a better show. Or maybe you dodged a bullet somehow by not being cast in one of those other shows. So if you pull this card in a reading, it's very much about acceptance and balance and justice and the idea that things are working out as they should be. So if you're going through a difficult situation and the justice card comes up, it's sort of reassuring saying, hey, this may not be what you wanted or expected, but justice will prevail. Everything will work out. This lesson that we've learned in these previous two cards really comes to play out in the next two cards where it's sort of tried we have a trial of this this acceptance of the machinations of the universe so in card 12 we have the hanged man now this card kind of scares people sometimes when it first comes up, but it's actually a really pleasant card. And when we look at the the card, we don't see a figure of someone hanging by their neck. It's not some sort of execution. It's a figure of a hanging man hanging by his foot, um, and his hands are tied behind his back. So then what this is saying is that there's nothing he can do. There's no action he can take right now. But he's not going to die. He's just suspended at the moment. And when we look at his body, we see this combination of the fire and water energy that's starting to come together in the Justice card. He's wearing a blue shirt, which is very watery, and red pants and yellow shoes, which are fiery colors. And he also has this halo of enlightenment over him. There's this realization, or this understanding. And it very much brings to mind the idea of mindfulness, what this halo is saying is that the lesson that was learned in the previous two cards is bringing him enlightenment in this moment where he's just suspended or hanging. So in the fool's journey this is a time where maybe you're having to wait for something and you find that maybe in the past you would have been very impatient and nervous and anxious about what's going to happen but through what you've learned in the last couple of cards you feel completely content just waiting. So maybe you're waiting to get into some sort of school program and you know you're not going to hear back for a couple of months and you're able to just sit with it patiently and contently. Maybe you are pregnant and you really feel like at some point in the past you would have been very anxious about the experience of birth and the experience of parenthood but right now you're just able to sort of enjoy the moment and be content where you are because you've come to accept the fact that there are things that are outside of your control and that you're in a time where you can't really take any action you're able to just sort of sit back and relax and be mindful during this period of waiting so if you pull this card in a reading uh, it usually denotes patience and enjoying or appreciating the process of waiting sort of being hanging or suspended in a way that's not entirely unpleasant because you have the resources to just enjoy this moment and to be mindful and in the moment. And compared to the Wheel of Fortune, this is the enactment of the lesson in the Wheel of Fortune. So when you pull the Wheel of Fortune, it's asking you to look at the big picture, whereas the Hanged Man is saying you already have these resources. The next card, card 13, is the card of death and this is another card that often draws kind of fear when it's drawn in a tarot reading but it doesn't necessarily have to Um, when we look at this card we see the figure of the deathbringer it's a human figure with a skull face and bone hands he's in black armor riding a horse that has white hair and red eyes and skulls and crossbones on its collar and then beneath this horseback deathbringer we see a fallen figure who we presume is dead and then we see three different reactions responses to the deathbringer one is this religious looking figure that's praying looking directly at death and praying and then we have a woman that's turned away and seems to be maybe fainting and then we have a figure of a child who's looking directly at the deathbringer in awe and then in the background we have the sun setting between these two columns. And we see a shadow sweeping across the land, this blue shadow. And since it's the color blue, it makes us think of emotion. So maybe there's a emotional flooding happening a sort of water energy washing over the land. But there's also a bit of a rebirth energy in the idea that when the sun sets, it then rises somewhere else. And we also see a flower blossoming on the Deathbringer's flag, a white flower, which also denotes a rebirthing. And so what this card represents is this final and most difficult test of the realizations that we've had over the past few cards that fate will go its own way, and that we only have so much control over our lives and our desires. So death represents this true entering into uncharted territory or entering into the unknown, in which we really have to deeply draw on these resources of something like the justice card, where we know things are going to be okay, even though we're going into something that's requiring us to be very brave and requiring things of us that we've never been tested on before. In the Fool's Journey, this doesn't represent the death of the Fool, right? Because we're not at the end of the journey yet. So for this reason, it's good to not think of the death card as being physical death. It's more of an archetypal experience around death. So I think in The Fool's Journey, it's more closely approximated to The Fool losing someone that is close to him. So if someone you really rely on or your parent or something like that dies or somehow becomes unavailable to you... It's hard to imagine before it happens how you'll go on and what life will be like after the fact because you're entering a completely unknown and uncharted territory. But what the death card and the tarot journey in general reminds us is that there is a light on the other side of that dark journey and you'll get through it. And you can't know now what's on the other side, but you just have to trust in the natural process. And archetypally, that's sort of how you should face death right if you if you come to accept that you're entering something that's completely unknown, but that it happens to everyone, it's entirely natural, and that it's something that you just need to accept and go with. That's basically the lesson that the Death Card is trying to teach us. So when you draw death in a reading, you definitely don't want to read it as the fact that you or someone else is going to die. And I advise against ever looking at the Death Card in that way. Instead, the Death Card brings a story of transformation, or crossing over of some kind. So a situation where you're facing the unknown and entering uncharted territory. And you really don't know what you're entering into or what to expect. And it's asking you to be brave and to trust in the natural process and to understand as you did in the Justice card and the Hanged Man card that although this is sort of a scary experience or a anxiety inducing experience, that everything is going to work out in the end. And this brings us to the final card in this leg of the journey. Number 14, Temperance. And on this card, we see a serene angel draped in white with a halo of enlightenment around her. She's pouring water from one cup to another. And this symbolizes a, a taming of the emotional flow or a containment of the water energy. So the temperance card very much represents this newfound ability to regulate and contain one's emotions. And it's because of this death experience that we have the ability to do this. We see the blending of earth and water energies. She's got one foot in the water and one foot on the earth. And what this denotes is emotional stability because water is emotion and earth is stability. We're seeing a hybrid of the high priestess and the empress card in the temperance. So the the high priestess is meditative qualities and calmness and stillness combined with the sort of nurturing of the empress. And we also see the sun rising over the mountains in the background. So it's almost like in this card, we've gone to the other side. So the same sun that we're seeing setting in the death card is the sun that's rising in the temperance card. So we've crossed over and we're on the other side of that situation. So they a rebirthing happening here. And we can see that too in the daffodils, which are spring flowers. And spring is the season of rebirth. And there's a very natural feel to this card. And remember that the death is that natural process that ultimately leads to an unknown but okay place. And that's where we are in this card. So temperance very much represents this true and deep acceptance and trust of the machinations of the universe. And the this can lead to emotional stability in a way that we haven't seen before in the Fool's Journey. So in the journey itself, this represents a peaceful time of acceptance. And a lot of times when people go through some sort of loss, there's a time of grieving. But after the grieving comes a newfound appreciation for life and the world and nature. And that's the moment the temperance represents, is this acceptance and appreciation that we can gain from going into an unknown and scary situation and seeing just how things can work out in the end so if you pull the temperance card in a tarot reading it represents an emotional stability an acceptance inner peace or the idea of sort of being reborn in a more positive and stable way or being one with earthly nature So when we reach the end of the second leg of the Fool's Journey, we also see this struggle between the individual and what's outside of himself, so here in this case it's the universe, ending in a blending of the energies. So the Temperance card is representing this acceptance of our inability to control the factors that are outside of ourselves. And with this acceptance, we find ourselves ready to move on to the third and final leg of the Fool's Journey, which we'll cover in the next episode. that we've introduced the cards of the second leg of the fool's journey, let's do a similar exercise to what we did in episode three with the first leg. So I'm introducing another spread that's helpful if you are in conflict with another person. So mix up the second leg of the fool's journey as much as you can, and then draw three cards. The first card is going to represent you, the second card is going to represent the other person, and the third is going to be advice for a resolution. So I've drawn justice for me, the hanged man, for the other person and strength for the resolution. So what the first card is saying to me is that I need to start focusing on the idea that justice will prevail, that in the end, this situation will work out in a fair way, and I need to focus on that, even if I feel somehow slighted or that things aren't fair. With the other person, I have the hanged man, and what this says to me is that the other person is in a situation where they can't really take any action right now. They're in a suspended state, and that could be the reason for the conflict from their side they're unable and for the resolution we have strength so when we think of strength in the tarot it's having the strength to acknowledge your passions but also to temper them so it's sort of saying maybe to be patient because this person is in the suspended state to maybe have the strength to take the higher road to be the first person to extend the olive branch and to call on sort of my higher strength in order to find a resolution to this situation. So again, what we're learning by doing this exercise is how to employ the meanings of these major arcana cards into an actual tarot reading, but also a new spread, and that's the me, them, and the resolution spread, which is helpful in times of personal conflict. (laughs) RootLock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston. Music for today's show was provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jure. You can find both of their information in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me about the show, or anything you'd like for me to talk about on the show, or if you'd like a tarot reading or one-on-one tarot lessons from me, please reach out to me. My email is rootlocktarot at gmail.com. And if you could do me a favor and follow, rate, and review the show, that would be great. I'm trying to get some more listeners. Again, I've typed up some notes for this show and put them on the Root Lock Tarot website. You can find those at rootlocktarot.com podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time on Root Lock Radio.